now that I think about it, though, Andrew Boys. I would say that I'm not going to be your second favorite doctor. It'd be Doctor Afra. Would probably be I on that like list. Doctor Afra a lot, actually. That's a good point. And is Doctor Afra the only Doctor Amazon? Doctor Amazon, yes. Um, Ev- Evan Amazon, the guy. Oh, we're wanted men. We have the death sentence in three systems. That's oh, Dr. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you were talking um, like you were trying to pigeonhole us talking about the the blue virus, which is like the COVID episode we were going to do about Clone Wars. Oh, the blue shadow virus. Yeah, the blue shadow virus. Uh, if that was, I don't remember the villain of that. I know what he looks like. I don't. I mean, I assume he has a doctorate. Like, if you if you hooked me up to a car battery. Uh-huh. And questioned me for long enough, I'd be able to come up with the name of that character. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> um, like I can feel it on the periphery of my of my brain. Some sometimes though, um, if you had given me like a day, I still wouldn't have remembered it. Like last week, we we're talking about yeah, maybe not a day, the, fifty thousand la- volts. Last <laughs> true enough. Um, last week we were talking about like the recording and the, the, the volume, mm-hmm. which is what they call the really? led screens. Yeah. We, we, oh, oh, okay. yeah. And, volume of our podcast. um, well that, that, that's separately, but we were talking about it and, and you and I both couldn't come up with it, but I like was watching a video separately and I'm like, there's no way I would have remembered the volume because that makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of the volume in our podcast, it's not the thing I want to talk about first. It's not the most important thing to me, but I guess it's worth mentioning. I just checked our Spotify feed. Everything still seems fine, Um, but we've switched. We have switched. Hosting services. So I don't know if your mom had like, um, she tried to go find Poe Boys and it wasn't there. But if she tries again, it should be there. Well, this is so, this is the test for our family members of whether or not they still subscribe and like listen. Oh, no one in my family listens to this show. Well, we we had that father episode where you said that your dad has listened to a few on drives. My dad, yeah, previously was doing a lot more driving than he is now. <laughs> well, it's also really creepy too to listen to your kids when you don't have other stuff to do. Like, I would never listen to my kids' podcast if I was like quarantined at home. Or I would never listen to my kids' podcast. Period. I gotta think. Even because I'm not gonna be a good if, dad. Not not well, not not saying anything to our fathers. I think even the <clears throat> best parent probably in the back of their mind in the very back of their mind whether they want to or not has some semblance of an idea of the price tag both in time and life force and money that their child has cost them and so that's a number i think somewhere in the back of every parent's mind and to juxtapose whatever that number is with what this podcast is, I imagine to be I, a catastrophic existential. I view that I view that more though, and I agree with you, Josh. I view it more as um, you often do. feelings of things that they used to be able to enjoy that they no longer are able to. Whether that's physically or based podcast? on time. No, parents of like, oh, mm. I used to be able to do this fun thing. Then mm-hmm. I had kids. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more they're chasing that feeling of how they are. And, you know, if they were to go back to a bar in 2020, they would not feel comfortable because people are not wearing masks. And it's like, <laughs> oh, what are you what what are you possibly going to do right now? Like we're in a pandemic. So why don't you calm down, dad? Yeah. This, so is, anyway. this is the most energy that we've had in a night record. And yeah, this, I was just thinking, I think, well, I was going to, this is certainly the latest we've recorded. No, that's not even true. I was going to say in Eastern Standard Time, because we recorded pretty late when we were at Star Wars Celebration. That's true. But we recorded our episode nine, Rise of Skywalker reaction. Oh my gosh, that yeah, night, that's true. And that was pretty late as well. But you can tell from my dear co-host Pete's uh, yawn that it's it's late into the night. Um 
It's Saturday, isn't it? God, that's such a bummer. Ugh, for a hot second, I was like, maybe it's Friday. <laughs> anyway, we switched podcast hosting services, so I guess there's potential that there may have been a disruption in service. I don't think there was. I actually... I don't think so. I just, yeah. I just got the blast on my iTunes that said okay. 12 episodes were available. So what I think it did, at least with iTunes or sorry, Apple Podcasts, is mm -hmm. it just deleted everything, and then it sent you the last, the latest, the 12 latest episodes. That's my guess of what happened. Mm. Um, I guess I might, okay, I don't know. But we, so presumably we should be available on more services now. I guess it might be worth putting out on our social media. Hey, this happened. If there was an issue, I don't know what happened. Yeah, and listen to to log on to our freaking to our to our friends at Podbean. Who who <laughs> the hell are calling them out? <laughs> who who the hell are you? Because you never talk to us. All right, you just they send us emails. Oh, that is true. I don't read them. Yeah. Um. All right. This this doesn't look good for me. Okay. Let's let's move on. So we're we're on Anchor now. Right. We move we move podcasts. I don't know. So that's important. Um, anyway, so back to the episode. Pedro boys. Pete, we got to talk. Oh, yeah, we do. Pretty early on, we established you're not allowed to text me any information about Mandalorian on the day it comes out because you watch it earlier than I do because you just wake up in the morning and watch it. I have to wait for my girlfriend to get home from work and we watch it together. So we're often watching it the better part of 12 hours apart. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was already a thing. And then this Friday, um, you texted me in all caps. Ah! Um, and that, I would argue, was a spoiler. Really? Okay. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I... It wasn't... It wasn't specific, but it was enough that I knew we were going to see someone. Like someone was going to show up. That was a known quality. Interesting. Which is not the case for the first two. Episodes. Interesting. Okay. Um, so I, I, I get. In I the would, back of my head, yeah. I was like, "In listeners, we're operating under the assumption you've seen episode three of season two of The Mandalorian, The Heiress." So full spoilers ahead. Three, two, one, break. I'm Pete. In the back of my head, I was like, "If Ahsoka Tano shows up in this episode, I'm gonna." murder pete really <laughs> see i actually I was, when you texted me ah! i knew i was like all right <laughs> it's gonna be bogotan it's gonna be both fat it's gonna be so katano someone pops up this episode like now i know see that it's not just gonna be a monster of the week episode <laughs> so i've already texted you previously this weekend new rule you're only allowed to text me run times <laughs> you're only allowed because week one of this season you just texted me like 48 minutes. <laughs> so my new rule is you are only allowed to text me in the runtime and you are not allowed to use punctuation. Okay. Because I think you'll use punctuation to cheat your way around it. Well, I am pretty well known for the exclamation question mark exclamation, um, mm -hmm. which can, Oh, I'm a dot, 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 dot guy Four dots. Like the end of the star Wars opening crawl. So, and it's interesting. I actually thought that, the awe you would have enjoyed more to hype you up because mm -hmm. last episode you were kind of like, I enjoyed this, but really, you know, what was happening. And then it right, sounds like you right. spent the day speculating. Um, but you also had that yeah. disappointment under it of like, I swear if I wasn't like brought into it naturally and I've just been speculating about it all day, I actually would, um, I would have preferred the former to the latter explanation, but yeah, I, I completely understand. Well, I, you, I, yeah, you and I are very different viewers. Um, and, and so, and here's the other thing though, and I've thought about this as well is, and again, this is not like Pete did not breach any protocol by doing this. Obviously, this is just my own quirk. Uh, and I have a Herbert who's been on the podcast before. Um, he and I have a saying of opinions or spoilers. <laughs> And whenever like a major movie comes out, and um, Cody, our money man, our accountant, uh, when we went to go see Infinity he War, just the worst on opening night, and he was like, "I can't believe it! My wife texted me a review, and I had to text her opinions or spoilers." <laughs> um, but it's 
I understand that it's like the worst side of spoiler culture or whatever. I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, you're also in your defense. Yeah, go ahead. I'm pretty sure I verbatim texted you that during the last season of Clone Wars. I would argue in my defense, with like the last season of Clone Wars, we had a pretty good idea of what to expect. And it, I don't know. It's different. It's different. Well, I have a, but it's also I have a long good. track record of spoiling things. So like I have no like to stand on. Yeah, because you you tend to you are more open to finding that information, like to searching that information out. Not like, not necessarily ravenously. I don't think, I don't think of you as like a spoiler sleuth. Who's like diving into the dark web to find out every little thing. But of the two of us, like where I would be upset maybe uh, about, about finding that stuff out a little earlier and more to follow on that. Cause I have a, I have something I, I want to discuss about that. I think you, you like, you're more inclined to be open to finding that stuff out in advance. Yeah. And well, it's all like that getting you more excited. Maybe it's also like, I, I've never gotten spoilers enough to like be every like blow by blow of a TV show or a movie. So Mm-hmm. For me, it's more, I really enjoy just when I hear stuff like that, you know, like when you hear about the Rosario Dawson, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe being a, a Sokotano, mm-hmm. I really enjoy the part of the spoiler of picturing that in your head and mm-hmm. just having that stuff beforehand of, you know, being disappointed or not being disappointed, um, that's just something I, I I enjoy a lot. But the funny thing is, yeah. I actually sent. I had a bunch of different texts that I, I wrote. Like I oh, I, I wrote gosh. I wrote one to you that was like, I just literally screamed in my school. And then another one was, um, it's been a while since I've let out an an audible gasp. Um, but then I just decided to be like, yeah, ah, with as many H's as I can, you know. And here's a crazy thing. You texted me that fairly early in the day. So I had that in my mind all day. I don't, uh, and then we finally watched it 8.30 or 9 uh-huh. on, on Friday night. Um, and I, I screamed. <laughs> I screamed. <laughs> and I told Kristen after, like, I told my girlfriend after, like, yeah, I can't believe Pete texted me. Ah! And she was like, yeah, that's exactly what you did. <laughs> I screamed, I punched the air, which is my go-to, I'm going crazy, watching something for the first time. Yeah, I, oh my gosh. Because there's also, to my mind, when you texted me, ah, I was like, okay, great. A character is revealed in the final minute of this episode. Mm -hmm. Like the end of this episode is going to be a character showing up that I know in live action. And obviously they show up, like, 10 minutes into the episode. Yeah, uh, yeah, really early into the episode. Um, it's like, I was already screaming, and then I was like, if she takes her helmet off and it's Kate Sackoff, I'm going to scream even louder. And yeah, <laughs> and then, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, it was it was something. What, what an episode. I intended, so I haven't actually gotten to watch it a second time. Um, my intent was actually to throw it on in the background while we were recording this. For whatever good that would... Uh, mm-hmm. Um, provide, yeah, yeah, what an episode, but at the same time, what an episode. Um, so this is chapter 11, this is episode 3 of season 2, The Heiress. Terrible Um, name. Well. I mean, I understand the reason, but I, I just like. Yeah. You don't like it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's, I actually. It filled in a lot of interesting blanks very quickly except here's the here's the thing about it though and i don't know if we're gonna do blow blow by blow um because we're it's a little late i don't think we need um for listeners um who haven't like watched clone wars or rebels or anything there's a bunch of different you know we we now learn what subsect jiminjimungi is um, part yeah. of the watch, which is the first time the children of the watch, which is the first time that's been introduced. And here's the yes the, or no the craziest. I think so. Okay. I'm pretty sure. But the craziest part about all that is like, they laid that out there for us. 
Like, you or I, who are huge fans of Clone Wars, huge fans of Rebels, have as much canonical Mandalorian lore to work with as anyone else. They gave us all the information. I mean, in the finale of Season 1, it's Death Watch that shows up and saves Jamaica Jumanji mm-hmm. from the battle droids. And I rem- and you can see the Death Watch schedule. And I remember watching that episode and turning to my girlfriend and being like, oh my gosh, it's Death Watch. And like, we know that Death Watch is a terrorist organization that splinters off from the main part of Mandalore. We know it's a sect. But still, when we're recording the lead up to season two, I'm sitting here saying stuff like, oh, they'll have to explain why Sabine takes her helmet off, but Jamaica Jumanji doesn't, blah, blah, blah. But like, the information's there. You know, we see him picked up by Death Watch. We know Death Watch is a splinter group. Um, and so it's like all this information that's laid out, on the one hand, it's like exciting to get the answer. On the other hand, I'm like, yeah, how come I didn't know that? <laughs> how, like, I should have known how that. How come I didn't connect the dots? Like, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, yeah. well here's um, the thing. So crazy. he's part of... I guess Death Watch or whatever survived. Whatever becomes of Death Watch, I guess after, after pre because previsla is so. And listeners, we're talking Clone Wars, we're talking Rebels. If you haven't, you know, you don't want that information. Don't listen. Because um, Death Watch is, I mean, previsla is killed by Maul in Clone Wars, and, and Bo-Katan was Maul his number kind of two, right? Right, but she splits. Mm-hmm. But there's a sect of them that still stay with Maul. And they stay with him through to the end of the Clone Wars. But then we don't see anything until Rebels, which is a decade plus later. Right. At least 15, 16 years later. And at that point, Gar Saxon, who is one of Maul's Mandalorian cronies, is a Mandalorian crony for the Empire. Not the Watch. But, not but not he, the Watch, though. He brings up Death Watch. Yeah, he never says, I'm with Death Watch. I'm, oh, the warrior ways of Mandalore, you know, never comes up. Um, so, it, yeah, whatever becomes of Death Watch. You know, De- like, Death Watch was always a splinter group. Death Watch was always a minority of f- from Mandalore when that show started. So why would we, you know... Yeah, I don't know. It 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 it, just, it was like, oh, there's a it's like I had a puzzle and there was one piece missing and I only had one puzzle piece in my hand that could possibly <laughs> go there. And I'm like, boy, what goes in this puzzle piece? What? And then this episode comes around and it's like, oh, it's the puzzle piece in your hand that's the exact same shape as the hole in the puzzle. I feel like this, honestly, this revelation is kind of like Cara Dune being part of Mandel, I mean, um, from Alderaan. Oh, Alderaan. And being like, oh, mm-hmm. yep, completely makes sense why she throws everything into the wind to take, you know, out mm-hmm. a bunch of people because of what we know yeah. from New Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I... I, I feel like it didn't do it the greatest job. Like, if you only watch the the uh, Mandalorian, it, you're like, who is this Kreez? I can't even spell Kreez if I had to, you know, be given yeah. pen and paper. Um, and she's trying to regain something that was lost from her. I don't even think that... Well, I think they pretty much insinuate that, that, really that she's point. looking for the Darksaber. But I just don't... Oh, I'm pretty sure she. Said yeah, she it. flat out says that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that's you bring up a really good point, which is what, how, and this is something I really like to think about in terms of Star Wars, and in thinking of Star Wars as a single story, a lot of times I I try to put myself in the mind of okay, if I'm watching all of Star Wars in order, right? Like if I'm if I'm the person in a vacuum who somehow is introduced to this and like I'm watching the Mandalorian after watching prequels, clone wars, rebels, rogue one, solo, you know, I'm doing it all in order. And I, I am experiencing the story as it in, unfolds in the fictional history of this universe. Mm-hmm. What am I, you know, what am I thinking? Or, you know, what do I think if, wh- how does like, if I watch the prequels and then the sequels, how does that affect me? How is that as a story versus watching them in the order they release? Yeah, long-winded answer. I I never stop to think like, what is someone who has never seen Clone Wars, has never seen Rebels, 
how does this episode read to them? And I think what, how it reads is it, this is a person that has her own agenda that does not at all meet with, um, Jin, uh, Mando and he is being told new information about a fundamental tenant of his life. So it's it goes it's a weird thing because it shows that he's been sheltered and yet at the same time he's been out in the world doing stuff for years and just so happens that he hasn't run into Mandalorians. I mean, it makes perfect sense why he hasn't run into Bo-Katan because she's just busy murdering anybody in her path that <laughs> gets in her way. Um, you know, one corn at a time, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, int- it's definitely, it's definitely something interesting. Um, yeah, cause I guess it's like, if you're, if you're just watching Mandalorian in a vacuum at the end of the first season, you hear like, Oh, Mandalorian isn't a race. It's a creed. But then you have Bo-Katan showing up here and be like, no, it's, it's a race. Like there's a planet called Mandalore. There's people from Mandalore. Yeah, and I'm trying to take it back. You're an extremist weirdo. <laughs> Your cultural appropriation. That's, yeah, I mean, she, she, um, she definitely is. Uh, he definitely it's, is. It's exciting to me in a way, though, because I think so much of Star Wars, if you look at the traditional Star Wars narrative, it's your Luke's, your Anakin's, your Rey's, finding themselves within the confines of an institution they're unfamiliar with. And this episode, in providing us with more context for Children of the Watch and Mando's upbringing and stuff, presents us with the possibility, the kind of launch Uh pad for a story that is someone finding themselves outside of the context of the institution they've been brought up in. You know, you have Luke and Anakin and Rey. They come from nothing. They don't come from an institution. They come from the desert, and they are brought into the remnants of an institution or the institution at the height of its power or, you know, uh, the dwindling days of an institution. But here you have Mando's coming from an institution. He's coming from mores and taboos and a society and a culture and rules. And Bo-Katan, and providing the information she does here is saying, no, there's a bigger world. Like, you've traveled the universe, but there's still a bigger world than you understand. And there's more context to your life than you know. Um, And so that's that's really interesting. Well, it's also kind of... I'm struggling to come with, like, a perfect one-for-one example, but I think of it as, like, a... He is at, like, a satellite campus of a college... And he mm-hmm. actually visits the main campus and realizes what's up and what's going on. And his world is just so much smaller than he actually realized. And there's a lot more at stake than his mission, which he's still, you know, solely focused on, which is bringing this, you know, terrible little child who we're led mm-hmm. to believe has been forgiven of everything based on baby mama frog um that's his entire mission yeah and i mean if i'm if i'm putting on my amateur writer hat here i'm thinking mando is being faced with i think what to every person is a really unsettling prospect which is the life you know the culture you know there's a larger context to it and it is maybe like Bo-Katan doesn't come out and say it. She says quite the opposite in a snarky way. But it's basically like Bo-Katan shows up and is like, actually, Mando, this isn't the way. Um, yeah, when she mocked him, oh my gosh. Hot take. And yeah. here's the other but, thing, too, about that, though, right? Like, I mm-hmm. feel like they did a really good job with the writing. And Bryce Dallas Howard, um, who was the director for this episode, mm-hmm. awesome. Like, I, episode three the four which she directed of season one was probably one of my least favorites um but the oh here comes bogotan i'm watching the and right now. oh my gosh she's so cool she she bryce ellis howard did like oh, a, a very very good job it was and what a what a disparate pair of episodes like they're so different the two episodes she's directed 
she was so uh, she i know she had the more difficult well john johnny f said that she had the more she, most difficult of all of their jobs and mm-hmm. she also had the least amount of preparation i believe um but boy like when she is what she is given and what she's able to work with are just i mean very very good and she got a ton of um good vibes sent her way on twitter um the morning of which is really really cool mm. so yeah um well to, and so to, to hop back real quick on what i was gonna say you know throwing on the old amateur writer hat here i feel like the information that Mando's being presented with here perhaps before the first season of this show it would be easier for him to brush off. But I think we've seen over the last episode in particular him be like, oh, this child is not just inherently good. Like I have to instill morals and values into this, into this child. And I think having the child with him, I mean, we'll see. Oh, she just took her helmet off. Oh, there she is. Oh my goodness. Uh, It, having the child with him makes him maybe more inclined to think about alternatives to the life he's been brought into. You know, if he doesn't have the child with him and Bo-Katan shows up and says, actually, this isn't the way I feel like he's immediately like, yeah, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about, but being responsible for something else. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It it makes me excited for where the show's going to go and where is this where this character's going to go. I I uh, I want to talk about where the show's going to go as the very last comment. Mm-hmm. But to okay. to what you Well then I want to talk about what I'm watching right yeah. now. Yeah. Which is Bokatan just took her helmet off. She's talking to Mando. Um Bokatan aged very well. <laughs> Let's talk about so it's Okay, it's 19 years, I believe, from the end of Revenge of the Sith to the beginning of New Hope, right? Um, so in that time... No, I think it's 16. From... Revenge of the Sith, I think it isn't really supposed to be like 16, 17? No, I'm pretty sure it's Oh, okay. And so in that time, Ewan McGregor turns into Alec Guinness. Right. So time has passed. But also in that time, animated Kate Sagoff from Clone Wars has turned into real-life Kate Sagoff, who looks exactly the same, arguably younger. No, yeah, 100% agree. <laughs> but at the same time, also, because, uh, and that, you know, it's just a funny joke, and aren't I clever, and aren't I funny, I don't mean anything about it. But I, I did wonder when the rumors for Kate Sagoff being cast in the role which is very exciting for me because I love Kay Sarkoff and I was, I was thrilled at the prospect of that, but I couldn't help but wonder like, Oh, are they going to age her up? Because Bo-Katan's a grown woman in, in Clone mm-hmm. Wars. And so that, I mean, I guess when we last see her, yeah, it's essentially 20 years. So then you throw into that also the sequel trilogy. So, I mean, when we're seeing here in the Mandalorian, it's a minimum of 26 years from when we see her in Clone Wars. Um, and so part of me wondered, like, will they try and make her look older? Or will they try and age her or whatever? And I I was kind of just like, I don't know. I'd be okay if they didn't. Like, it's space, right? Like, Chewbacca's 900. You know, age works differently. I don't know. It's Star Wars. Like, I'll buy mm-hmm. it. So, yeah. I thought, I don't know. I was kind of okay with them just being like, yeah, it's just Cage Sackhoff, whatever. I've never, and there's not really like a huge historical um, one for one of this, but Katie Sackhoff probably is the best one for one of her animated character that I can think of. Because, you know, we've talked about how we want Christopher Sean from Resistance to be and stuff, but he's a very, you know, fit man. He's a, yeah, he's a grown and, man, and, and Kaz is very much like, seems like he's 15. Yeah, but she's a great one for one. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it, I mean, it, they got the headbands, and 
And it was crazy also because it's just like this is a character that we've seen in animation going back to season four of Clone Which would be Wars. So, I mean, 2012? Would 2011? Or something like that that we've, that we've been seeing this character. And so like seeing her in live action and I guess the how vivid the, the blue on Death Watch kind of armor is or whatever, sometimes it would be like, like it would look like animation because mm-hmm. of the coloring and because of the owl paint on the helmet. And it, yeah, it was, it was wild. But man, it, uh, it was really thrilling. I don't know. It's exciting to think of uh, folks out there meeting Bo-Katan and being like, whoa, this is awesome. I want to see more of this character. And then discovering clone wars and rebels and, and uh, her her two her two fellow mandalorians were awesome too right and so we we don't know either of them right i didn't really look at like for a second i was like there's a chance maybe that the dude is tristan sabine's brother interesting probably not he's uh, no. he seems a little bit too suave for tristan because tristan seems like too yeah. uptight um, I, 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 they're probably unnamed people. Well, they, well, they'll be named I, yeah, eventually, they might, obviously. They might show up in the credits, but yeah, yeah. So let's see, we got Child of the Watch. Yeah, talk about that. Um, no shark though. No shark. I haven't. Cause there's, they're setting like again. I. Not to point fingers or whatever. When he's on the boat, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, we're going to feed you to a monster? That's when I was like, oh, okay, it's another one of these episodes. But in the back of my head, I'm like, no, but Pete texted me screaming. So something happens. But just going off of the precedent of this season so far. Yeah, it's the monster of the week. When he's like, oh, I'm going to feed you to this monster. I was like, oh, okay. So this is going to be another half hour of Mando fighting this monster now. Maybe it will be a shark. We did not get a shark. We got Bo-Katan instead. As much as I love sharks, I think it was a worthy trade-off. <laughs> I was very excited about that. Um, but part of me is I'm, I'm still holding out for the, the Star Wars It was shark. interesting. You know, the show likes to talk about gray areas so much. Because that Mon Calamari did sell him to the Quarren. And typically, the you know, Quarren are seen as like these evil alien, you know, race. And then Mon Calamari are, you know, the better half of, you know, these two fish species. Right. Yeah. That's what we see in Clone Wars and in the, um, the prelude comic to rise of Skywalker that Marvel did both of which kind of intimate like, Oh, the corn trash, the bad guys on ocean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In so many words. Yeah. So, um, um, I actually do think the Quarren looked a lot better than the first episode when he takes out that one Quarren and cuts him and bisects him in the door. I think that they've, and it, it's, it's really cool to see just the growth that they've done from those two, um, for sure. Now, and I miss it again, cause I'm talking to you instead of reading the subtitles here. What, what's this little plan they're doing? Where they're fighting the so they're Mando doesn't know that all she's doing is searching for the the dark saber or like information yeah. On it. yeah from Bosch ba- she's trying to get it from mm-hmm. Bosch yep who's yep the yep head head imperial yep. um I I also want to point out the ship they're ransacking is a a design that showed up I believe in the first time in Rebels yeah it was in, it was interesting yeah. how. It was interesting how I I feel like we've seen that in Rebels and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it just shows you how much the Star Wars OPs um, Jedi, because like I I, I was looking at him like, oh, Ezra and Kanan would have like dissected that and gone to the cockpit in the first like 30 seconds. But like for normal people, Mm -hmm. you know, they got to just, you know, murder 70 stormtroopers and. Um, shoot a bunch out out yeah. out out uh, to their fall to their deaths. I do also want to say I think that the scale of the ship, if it is the ship I'm thinking of in Rebels, it does seem smaller 
in the Mandalorian. Oh, really? Okay. Than it seemed in Rebels, but I haven't watched Rebels in a minute. I could be wrong on that. It's it but, seemed like uh, the one that held Tie Fighters, but that's probably wrong. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the one. That's the one. I'm um. But this is more of a cargo ship, so I think that's probably yeah. I think that there's yeah. a difference between the two. Um, it is interesting to see that the only thing Mando is good for is taking a hit. Like that's his brilliant strategy is like, I have this fancy best car. But so that makes me wonder about the whole best car thing because he sees them in their armor and she takes her helmet off and he's like, where'd you Uh get the armor? But then he's the only one that seems to be, I mean, maybe it's just, he's the only one that's willing to take the hit. But it kind of implied to me, like, oh, maybe he's the only one with Beskar armor. No, he's just the one dumb enough to run straight into them with this great idea because, you know, they only had however many feet, (laughs) blah, 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 blah. And then, because it, yeah, and then I guess, like, is is the Boba Fett armor he got, is that also Beskar? I I, I mean, I think it probably is. I think you can easily write it out of, you know, theirs is like, you know, she says, it's been my family for generations. And his is mm-hmm. generations of families that the Empire took and he forged into brand new armor for himself. Yeah. It is yeah. interesting that Beskar is uh, like the new spice. It's just like crack to everybody. And they're like, oh, we're going to take that Beskar from you. Yeah, I don't care if I'm Bosch or John Leguizamo. Like, I'm getting that Beskar, baby. Um, I have one more thing. Um but I want it to be the last uh, the last thing we talk about. So, uh. okay. Well, so let's talk about the end of this episode then. Mando agrees to do this mission with Bo-Katan because Bo-Katan says she can point him in the direction of a Jedi. At the end of the episode, she goes. See, well, oh, and I should have looked it up too. She tells him to go to a planet on Corbon Five to the Dash Mendar's moons. I she said a bunch of words I had never heard of. What? Well, I, I wish I had written it down, because um, I'm—I think it may have been um, the planet from Fallen Order, but now I don't know, and I wish I did. Um, but she tells him that you know, okay, I'll point you. In the um, you're thinking Bagano, and I don't think it's. Oh, you're right. I am thinking Pagano. Yeah, it's it's not Pagano. It's not Pagano at all. She tells him it's like Corvus or something. I don't know. Um, But she says, I'll push him away the Jedi. Go here and here. You'll find Ahsoka Tano. So two things about this. I guess the stupidest, least interesting one to bring up is that one of the last times we see Ahsoka... Well, maybe not the one last time, but I mean, Ahsoka's gone on record saying, I am no Jedi. But so that's no 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 because Bo-Katan's the one that says, "Well, you act like a Jedi." No, she's not. The, as far as Bo-Katan is concerned, at least from what I remember of the, the series finale of Clone Wars, mm-hmm. spoilers series finale, um, mm-hmm. it, it's either her or the uh, Martez sisters are like, "You look like a Jedi. You act like a Jedi." And I think as far as Bo-Katan yeah, is concerned, right. you know, Ahsoka's a Jedi. One person has a lightsaber, everybody's... Right, yeah. and that could be it. Yeah, if you've got a lightsaber, you're a Jedi or a Sith or something. That that could be it. That could be it. And because it, it, it... It's very much... Because um, Ahsoka is one of the voices that Rey hears at the end of Rise of Skywalker. So then it's like, well, so hold on. What is... You know... Uh, so that, that mystery deepens. The big thing for me, and this... Oh, Cosca Reeves is the name of one of those Mandalorians, apparently. Oh, and then the other one's name just showed up on the subtitles. They do have names. Um, the Similar to... Oh, don't text me anything. When, when she says, go to this planet, there you'll find Ahsoka Tano. I still screamed. That was, the, that was the that was the awe. Okay, so like when she said that, right. I was yeah. But can you imagine if we lived in the vacuum where we had no idea Katie Sackle was going to be broken on, and more importantly, 
if 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 that Rosario Dawson casting rumor had never gotten out in the first hint of Ahsoka Tano maybe showing up in live action had been her saying that in this episode I would have backflipped out of my couch it I mean it would have been the little it would have been the little Yanni of season two. Oh, and there she goes she says dark saber here yeah I'm oh it that would have been so far beyond little Yanni I I Peter, I wouldn't be able. I still would not be able to talk to you right now. Like I don't. I just. I would have gone insane. I would have gone insane. It would have. The only thing I can compare it to is it would have been like, at the end of the Savage Press episodes in season three of Clone Wars, where all of a sudden Darth Maul shows up in a crystal ball. I don't know. That would have been crazy. Um, so it's. I don't know. It's a shame that that information got out. Uh, and I mean, you know, maybe it won't be true. Well, uh, here, and let, let's get the, the Mandalorian red carpet. All right, so say I actually have I have a comment about that, but go ahead. The Mandalorian red carpet. Yeah, they asked. Um, okay, and hold on, I'm going to read exactly what Bogus on says. Take the Fowling to the city of Caladan on the forest planet of Corvus. There you will find Ahsoka Tano. Uh, tell your sent by Bogotan. Um, and the red carpet, I think, or maybe it was in an interview. I don't know. At some point, Dave Filoni was asked about the casting rumors because there's a bunch of casting rumors, right? Like before season, this season started, Timothy Oliphant, Tamara Morrison as Captain Rex, Tamara Morrison as Boba Fett, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano, Kate Zakoff as Bo-Katan. These were all rumors leading into season two. And I believe it was Filoni in an interview said, it's funny because some of those are true and some of those aren't. And that was all he said. But with that in mind, it's like, well, the Timothy Oliphant uh-huh. stuff was true. The Cave Sackhoff stuff was true. The Tamara Morrison stuff was one right. out of two. Will he show up as Captain Rex? Who knows? But he oh, that'd be so cool as as Boba Fett. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to to see where that stuff goes. But yeah, I just I don't know. I I can't help but and it you know it's still very cool. But in the back of my mind, I can't help but like be like, wow, how crazy would I have gone if I had no idea that Ahsoka Tano was going to come into the fold and her name got dropped in live action? I would, I mean, and again, I still screamed. Well, here's what's going to try. Yeah, go ahead. And who knows, you know, she's no Jedi. So here's we'll what's see. driving me crazy for the next week is F- mm-hmm. Force hey, Awakens hey. has conditioned me to be like the story that. I think we're going to, and then the last Jedi is not what it's going to happen. So I'm thinking one of two things. One, you know, Ahsoka's not going to be there. It's this journey to do find Ahsoka the whole time. And it seems like I, I have no backing for this, but it seems like Dave wants to write the final story on Ahsoka. Um, Oh yeah, for sure. And that means a death. Maybe there's a spinoff. I mean, that would be the the like most positive thing is a spinoff for me. Like that's like the thing I kind of hold up hope on. But like the idea that like there's some showdown between Gideon and Ahsoka, and she sacrifices herself for like little Yanni. Uh, I I just went so negative. I'm like really Johnny F is going to be the one that writes this story. Like I was so mad. Um, uh, no, I don't think that'll happen. That doesn't read. I don't know. That doesn't read right to me based on the, what we know of the show so far and the often understated storytelling it does. Cause to my mind, I'm just thinking about it right now and kind of thinking about the discussion we had about children of the watch and how, as it is, Mando is very much a child of an institution and a child of extremists and child of ideology. And I can't, so my, my predictive brain goes to, I'm Mando. I play by these rules. I have a strict code. I've been specifically told to find a Jedi. I find Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka Tano tells me I am no Jedi. I can use the force. And I'm very intelligent and have lived a life and know a thing or two and could probably train your youngling perfectly fine. 
But Mando being like, no, 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 no. I still believe in institutions. I still believe in rules. I'm not willing to go to some sort of gray Uh area right now. I'm black and white. I want an actual Jedi. And that Ahsoka Tano may not play a large part in this. She may, I don't know, she may be like a step along the way that maybe he goes back to. And then also you mentioning, you know, the potential of Johnny F telling the, the last chapter in this. But I also can't help but wonder, like, maybe this is a launch pad for right. Filoni into live action. Maybe we do get an Ahsoka-type spinoff where he plays the Johnny F role. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's pretty rampant speculation that I don't, I don't tend to... Yeah, and here's, um, the, here's the thing, like too, is we have every indication that he is going to make it to Corvus next episode. Now, what happens on Corvus? Who knows? Um, but we're also other than, um, grief and Kara or Kara, we're, we're past the trailer. I mean, we're, cause the stormtroopers were Mm -hmm. that scene. Well, we get some scout troopers, right? Right. And that appears on the bikes and that appears to be based on the editing of the trailer, the same sort of sequence that we have Kara and Grief in. Okay, okay. So again, and we, Carl Weathers has said that he directed the fourth episode of season two, which is the next episode, so. Very, um, very hyped. I'm, I'm very much hoping we get past the trailer. Do you, you seem very tired. We seem like we're wrapping up, so I, of course, now seems like the best time to bring up um, egg gate. Yeah. Um, I, I we really kind of barely touched on it. And then I'm not on our Twitter anymore. I kind of don't have much of a social media presence, but you pointed out that, um, on social media, baby Yoda, uh, eating those eggs had really, um, perturbed some folks and that there was a lot of discourse going on. Yeah. Though to be fair, I guess, Based on the very small amount of discourse I saw, a big amount of the um, uh, distaste seemed to be levied towards the dismissive reaction of Lucasfilm and such, and the sort of idea of like, ah, you're being offended over nothing. Yes, and... Um, I don't know enough or remember enough this late at night. There's a bunch of people that are yeah. coming after Pablo Hidalgo, um, who yeah. like, yeah. I'm not. And I, I mean, Hey, we were, we were part of the half that got snapped. So I don't know what he tweeted. Somebody screen grabbed it, I guess. In the, um, the thread I saw, I don't think I saw the screen grab of what he actually tweeted, but my understanding is it was sort of dismissing the controversy over um people being a little uh not a little that was dismissive of me people being offended by baby yoda eating those um frog ladies well and it instead. being used as a comedic relief yeah and and i mean it's i guess easy now in hindsight to talk about our feelings about that but we i don't know i guess we kind of dropped the ball on that i mean we talked about we talked about the extent we talked about it last week was that over the course of season two episode two it, it was very clear that both mando and little yanni are not good people mm-hmm. and that was sort of the extent to which we discussed it was that this episode showed us that these these are not good guys um and I guess it's easy now, again, in hindsight, to, I don't know, virtue signal or pick sides here or there. Um, but I guess, I, you know, it it did feel weird in that episode. <laughs> like, it wasn't, I don't know. It's... I think you and I maybe found some humor in Mando treating Baby Yoda like a dog with his little finger wag and his no. We We were uh, directing a lot of it at Johnny F., who deserves a lot of the hate. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect as opposed to saying, you know, what this means to certain viewers, um, which is just like, mm-hmm. you know, in regard, it's just from our social location and where we're mm-hmm. from. I will say in hindsight, this, the, the narrative of Mando is 
they don't really have one because like he's culturally woke in the first episode and saves this village. And then the second episode, he's just a terrible human being. And then the third episode, he like only cares about himself or doing his mission. And then like, he's, I don't know that he is culturally woke in that first episode. I think he just has familiarity with the Tuscan Raiders. But, I mean, at the same time, he's like, hey, Timothy Oliphant, I just volunteered in yeah. the village to <laughs> fight a monster. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess um, it, 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 it maybe is indicative of maybe phoning it in a little bit in, on, on our end about the podcast. I hate editing this podcast. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe we we didn't we didn't we didn't get in as as deep on that as we maybe could have. And my not checking the Poe Boys Twitter feed has sort of removed me from the larger discourse of Star Wars. Um, but that I mean that you know that whole runner felt weird in in that in that episode. Yeah. Um, I guess I maybe took it as like. Because we, we talked last week about that very much being an episode about parenting and parents and children. And I kind of took it as... Because when I, you know, when I first saw Baby Yoda put his hand up to the jar and the eggs kind of go to his hand, I was weirdly thinking like, oh, is this going to be like some sort of, you know, little Yanni OP? The power to create life, like Sidious says. Or are we going to get some weird stuff with these uh-huh. eggs? Nope. Um, nope. Just eat them. Yeah, and I, um, uh, I guess my initial read on it was sort of a showing that, um, Baby Yoda may like inherently have a force, but he's not inherently good. And but I mean, and we've also already seen that though with him choking out Cara Dune. Well, um, I'll. But yeah, I think it's an important discourse going on there. In that it I'll be. end with, it is interesting that we've gone three episodes and we have not seen any force powers whatsoever from little Yanni. Yeah. Yep. True to the understated nature of this show. I mean, it always, it's, it's always more low key than you think it's going to be. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I, I I'll end it there. Um, and did you notice that Janina Gavankar, who plays Aiden Verzio in Battlefront Two, made a cameo, um, being the puppeteer for the nostrils on the Montcalmari? That's cool. If that's true. So, Poboy's Podcast at Gmail dot com is our email. Um, for, you know, we don't have a new email with Anchor. It's all the same email. Um, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram at Poboy's Podcast and. We will see you next week. 12.01 a.m.